Hi, welcome to Lakeland EM Podcast. I'm here with Matt Heisel again. Matt, thanks for being on the program. Glad to do it as always. So uh, we wanted, to, we were trying to think of a podcast to do that would be appropriate for the season of interviews that we're in. Happy interview season. <laughs> so we're going to add this to the general approach series and do the general approach to interviews. We think that might be a kind of a helpful uh, topic to discuss this time of year. And really one of the questions I commonly get from applicants is, what are you looking for in an applicant? And so that was kind of one of the main things that we wanted to talk about here, that we're trying to cone it really down on kind of what we're looking for and what uh, we want you to express to us. Uh, that there's a whole lot of other sort of things, the professionalism and appearance and dress, uh, that we're going to assume that you know and, and can follow societal norms. But we're going to talk about, from an emergency medicine standpoint, what is our mindset when we're trying to talk with you? What are we trying to get out of it? First impressions of, of who this person is, and it's vice versa. Who the program is is going to be assessed during the interview, and then who the applicant is, and, and getting kind of a fuller picture of, of the application. Walk into that interview knowing that, that's already, that you've already been screened. People have already looked at your application. This is your chance to just express who you are. And that first, that first impression is very important, that when you walk through the door, solid eye contact, a good handshake, that should be intuitively obvious. But every now and then you do get a very kind of weak, limp sort of handshake. And then your overall body language when you're in the room, what are you projecting? Are you projecting confidence? Are you projecting strength? Because this is a, a situation where it's, it's certainly a nerve-wracking situation, but you're going to be that in that situation in the emergency department. You're going to have to gain the confidence and trust of your patients. And so I want to be able to see that you can project confidence, that you can project an ability to gain buy-in from the patients because you're going to have to do that. Yeah, a defensive posture off the bat um, is, is really the wrong vibe for emergency medicine. Weak, kind of fidgeting with your hands, poor kind of eye contact, all of things. these things just kind of say that in a situation where a person's not super comfortable, they may not rise and shine. You don't need to be aggressive, but you want to make sure that you're engaging the person, you're looking at the person, you have a nice firm handshake, and you walk in knowing that you deserve to be there. You need to feel comfortable, and you're going to have a series of, uh, of interviews um, this is really more of a getting to know your getting to know you process. As Jesse said, it's not a test. This is this is much more of, of a assessment of kind of fit more so than necessarily saying any one person is better than another. And, and just real quick, because it deals with first impressions, is energy level. And this speaks to why you don't want to get no sleep the night before or come in, you know, I, I went into a, you know, I had like 30 minutes of a nap and I was up for 24 hours on one of my interviews and it was a disaster because they are assessing your energy level just in general. So you don't, you want to be at your best. Again, you're going to have to rise to the occasion in the emergency department. There's going to be surges of patients where you feel tapped out, and yet, guess what? Here's six more people signing in. So if we can see, or even if we're questioning what that energy level is, if you're going to have a strong, you're going to have a harder time selling yourself um, than someone who projects that, yes, I'm going to be able to do this when things hit the fan, because trust me, they will. And that goes to our next question about what we're kind of looking to extrapolate. And I think that's where you could err on the side of being too much energy and having too much aggressive because at three in the morning, we also want to be able to be relaxed and calm. And if you come in after, you know, Red Bulls and bl guns a-blazing, we're going to uh, be a little bit reserved to say, can we handle this personality that time? So there is balance to be said. That is absolutely true that get is the, the 
old 3 a.m. test of if I'm working an overnight shift, and this is my third of four, and I know I've got, I've got another 12 tomorrow night, and the person that I'm sitting next to, I just can't stand. That's not going to be very much fun. That we want to work with a person rather than trying to pull them along. So you really want to let your personality come out. Uh, you have to show a good attitude. Um, but Jesse, you're absolutely right. A person can be a person who's completely over the top can definitely be the chalkboard on nails uh, reaction. And the nice thing is, is no residency program wants one personality type. You know, our, everybody's faculty is composed of different personality types. We have introverts, we have extroverts. There is a general fit, of course, within emergency medicine, and then every program has a different sense of culture that you, you want to find ones that you would fit well into. But nobody's looking for a cookie cutter. And I like what you said about just letting your personality come out because that's what you need to do, and you need to know if it's going to be a fit. Yeah, there's many different personalities, but they all have to have a good attitude because you're going to have to see difficult patients, you're going to be working with staff members who maybe haven't had quite enough sleep, who knows, um, that there's a myriad of situations where you can say the wrong thing and guess what, here's another email for your director to have to deal with. So a good attitude is another thing that you're going to have to show that you're going to be able to demonstrate. And, and let's move on a little bit to answering questions because we all, you know, I think that the fear, at least when I was going through interviews as a, as an, a candidate or an applicant myself, is I was always afraid there was a question I, I wouldn't know the answer or they wouldn't like my answers. Can you talk a little bit about how they should prepare to answer the questions or the difficult questions? What, what are we looking for? Well, I mean, we want to see that you can somewhat think on your feet um, it's okay sometimes to not necessarily have a real clear answer or to uh, kind of ask kind of more of a clarification of kind of what we're looking for. Since all of us have asked questions, read my mind sort of things or things that don't necessarily make sense. But again, the biggest thing is showing that you have an, an organized mind that you're going to be able to work in the chaos of an emergency department. You want to show us that you have what it takes to lead a resuscitation and to lead a, a room that's falling apart with, with numerous patients that all need something done. Most of the patients you see aren't going to need resuscitation. Most of the patients you see are going to require a pat on the back and require you to get buy-in and endorsement of your plans, that you have to be able to assess what the patient is actually there for, what is driving them. And so that ability to interact with people is a tremendous skill in our field. Let's flip gears here a little bit and talk about um, what they should be able to get from that actual interview encounter. Yeah, you want to get a sense of, of what the fit is and is this uh, the place where you want to be for the next four years. That residency training is a stressful time. There's no two ways around that. Uh, and so you want to make sure that you're getting a good feel from the residents, uh, a good feel from the attendings, that these are people that we pass your 3 a.m. test as well because Everybody has different styles of teaching, uh, and everybody has different ways of learning that they respond to best. And so you kind of get, want to get a sense of kind of what our styles are and what our personalities are. And it is important to have done some background research on the program because getting a sense of what they're all about, of what sort of community that they're in, of what the general patient populations are, that you need to have kind of done some of that background research on the webpage and on the area to learn some of that. And then it's going to give you better questions of kind of clarifications to indicate that, look, I've done research into your program. I've looked seriously at this area and it lets us know that this is a person who is serious about this interview and about more than just 
using as a practice interview so that they're confident <laughs> at their next interview. And, and, and you, know, as, I, you know, I spent the last couple of weeks looking at literally thousands of ERAS applications, and I can see very good candidates. But what I can't tell is if they really want to come to my program. So during that interview process, we're assessing not only your interest in the program, but our interest in you. And I think that that's important because I think that that takes a little bit of the other stuff off the side. And we're, interest level is something that's very difficult to assess. But the interview gets us to a chance to see, are they interested in the area? Are they interested in our type of program? Are they interested in, in the, the things that we excel at that they might be interested in? Are they going to fit here? Are they going to get what they want to accomplish? You have to give something to get something that if you indicate interest in us, we're just naturally, human nature-wise, more inclined to be interested in you. So now let's move on to the, the after the interview is done. Is it necessarily and mandated that they have questions, that the applicant asks you questions about the program? A lot of times that's how I'll start my interview, is asking a, a person, um, what questions do you have for me, first of all? Uh, and a lot of times the applicant will tell me that, um, hey, yeah, I've, I've had... Um, I've had uh, all my questions answered, um, and that's okay because I can certainly fill a lot of time talking, as these podcasts uh, may uh, may uh, uh, demonstrate. However, that doesn't give me a chance to learn about you. So make sure your questions are focused. Make sure that you have kind of specific kind of goals behind your questions and aren't just asking general sort of things because you're not going to learn, or rather, you're not going to get the opportunity to show yourself off if I'm the one doing all the talking. Real quick, what, what are your thoughts about um, the follow-up letters, the follow-up emails? You know, how much should they spend on the Hallmark card? I did send follow-up emails. I don't know that I invested any money in a $7 Hallmark card. I find it hard enough to do that on my wife's birthday, but... That's a, a, a different uh, topic altogether. You want to indicate interest. And so you do want to show us that you're still considering us highly if you truly are. That, that I, wouldn't I would send follow-up thank yous, uh, certainly. If you're not truly interested in a program, I wouldn't blow smoke uh, in places where it doesn't belong if, if you don't have a whole lot of interest. But indicating continued interest and asking those follow-up questions. I let people know if other things come up, if you see other programs do different things or handle different things and want to know, oh, how does Lakeland handle that? By all means, follow up with that. Again, that shows us continuing interest that you're considering us. And I would ask the programs or, or ask the residents what they did for that program because every program handles how they want follow-up to occur differently. So, so kind of kind of get a sense of what's kind of expected or what is allowed. And you, and you can ask that. Do you guys like an email? Do you guys like a card? I don't mind those kind of questions. And, and I think that other programs are fine giving them a, that kind of sense of what's what's kind of acceptable and not annoying. I think you're never wrong to, to reflect what your true feelings are. Now, there's rules about what you can and can't say. But nevertheless, if you find one program that you are really interested in, I think you're doing yourself a disservice not to let them know. Now, does that mean you send a weekly email? Probably not. <laughs> um, but you do want to send them follow up. You do want to send them follow up information down the road, indicating that you are still very interested. Yeah, and I, I think those emails are important. I think emails versus cards. I'm fifty fifty. They don't. To me, they have the same weight. I'm sure other programs feel differently. So you just kind of have to sort that out. My writing's completely illegible, so I would get marked down for being poorly organized if I tried to handwrite one. <laughs> well, I think we covered some of the basics. Do you have anything else that we didn't cover? No, I think that uh, this is kind of a jumping off point and just kind of an introduction to some of what our viewpoints and what we're looking for on this side of the desk is. Well, thanks so much for coming on the program, Matt. I think this is a good topic for the season we're in. 
I hope this has given you guys insight and good luck to you all. Good luck.